again this week. Thank you for the honor of just inviting us into your home and giving us the opportunity for us to be together uh, today. We're literally today kind of one church, hundreds of locations spread out all across uh, homes and cities and communities and even states and even a few of you in other parts of the world. And so welcome again. Again, it's just really, really good uh, to be together. Uh, I want to start our time together today by, by showing you a picture that kind of depicts the, the season that we're living in. This is a picture of the airport in San Diego and it's a picture of the airport in San Diego fairly recently. I don't know the exact day this picture was taken, but fairly recently. And it, it came out of an article that said air travel through that airport was down at some points 96%. Okay, 96% just as a result of COVID and this crazy time that we're living in and this global pandemic. So that's an airport <laughs> that basically is empty. However, I was in that airport uh, in the summer of 1993, I was traveling with a group that had spent a week in San Diego and some down in Tijuana, Mexico, and we had just been serving uh, in different parts of those communities for the week. It was time to come home. Unfortunately, the reality was that several of us were brutally sick. Uh, we, we had gotten exposed to, to something and, and we, we were just really sick and had been for about 48 hours, and we really just wanted to go home. That same airport that right now is empty was anything but empty. It was jam-packed. And when we got to the airport to start to head home, we bumped into a delay. Uh, there was a mechanical problem on the plane. That delay turned into a change in gate. And I remember when they changed the gate, I remember people standing up and sprinting to the new gate sprinting to the new gate and forming this line at, at kind of the desk at the gate to talk to the, the airline worker there and try and arrange things and try and make sure they still had a seat. And, and, and that really didn't amount to much because the delay just got stretched and then got stretched and then got stretched. We actually ended up being delayed in that airport a, a little over 13 hours. A little over 13 hours. I remember the day really well. I remember how awful some of us felt, how sick we really were, how much we wanted to go home. I remember the number of times the gate changed and some of the same people sprinting to new gates and people starting to get upset and yelling at airline workers. And and, and what it was this really clear reminder of to me is like, man, I have very little control over anything that's happening right now. Uh, I can't fly the plane. I can't fix the plane. I can't make sure I get on the plane. I just very little control over anything that was happening. And, and every now and then you have these moments, right? Where you just realize, oh, wait a second. I'm not, I'm not really sure I have any control over something I thought I had control over. That's part of what happens when crisis hits. In that San Diego moment in that airport, that, that was really a very minor crisis in my life. Probably couldn't even really call it a crisis, right? It was just, it was a blip on the radar. But right now we're living in a crisis. We're living in a, in a global pandemic and, and you may be living in some other crisis. You may be dealing with something else in your life that, that feels overwhelming and that, that has been a little bit of this, this reminder of, 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 wait a second, I thought I had control over something. It's true in the story of Joseph, this story that we've been looking at the last couple weeks in the Old Testament of your Bible. And in fact, I want to invite you to turn there again today, or maybe you're going to scroll on a phone, or maybe you've got a physical Bible with you and something to jot some notes down along the way. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 39, Genesis, the first book in the Old Testament of your Bible, Genesis chapter 39. 
And that's where we're going to pick up the story of Joseph, who as a favorite son has had some family dysfunction. He's been abandoned by his brothers. Uh, they've thrown him into a cistern to kill him, and then they've actually decided to take him out of the cistern and sell him. And so he's been sold to, to some Midianites who were passing through his land, and, and now they've taken him down to Egypt. And we're going to pick up Joseph's story there. Genesis chapter 39. I mean, it, Joseph is living in a crisis, right? It's his this. What is the this that you're living with that feels overwhelming and kind of wonder how am I, how am I going to get through this and what's this really going to look like? This is what it is for Joseph, okay? Genesis chapter 39. Let's just look at the, the first verse for right now, just one, one sentence or so in. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, okay, taken. He didn't go on his own, right? He's been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So let's just talk about that for a minute, right? Joseph has been abandoned, betrayed by his brothers. He's been sold by them. Okay, that's, that's not his choice, right? Then he's been taken by the people who bought him to another country, Egypt. Once he's taken there, he's literally been put on the trading block, right? So that he could be bought by Potiphar, who happens to be one of the leaders for Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, right? So that once he's bought, he could be taken in, into a place of, of being a servant, right? Joseph has been taken, bought, and then taken again. Joseph is, is really hitting the bottom here, right? I mean, this, this, it's, it's gone from bad to, to maybe a little worse to, to maybe a little worse. And what Joseph is bumping into, headlong into, is something that you and I often bump into in crisis. Whenever we encounter a, a this, whatever our this is, our overwhelming, what are we going to do with this moment or experience? What Joseph is bumping into is the same thing that you and I often bump into, and that is this, that most of life, most of life, we live with the illusion of control. In most of life, control is an illusion. Let me, let me just say it again for us. In most of life, control is an illusion. There are, there are a lot of things that we think we can control, we think we grab a hold of, but crisis reminds us and, and shows us that that control is actually an illusion. Right? When, when I was in that airport in San Diego, what quickly became clear is that while I had a plane ticket and I had a schedule, I had very little control over that schedule. Any thought I had about controlling the schedule was quickly revealed as an illusion. I couldn't control the plane. I couldn't control the mechanics. I couldn't control the mechanical issue. I couldn't control how other people processed the delay. I couldn't, couldn't control any of it. Any thought I had entering that day of control was just an illusion. Right? What's interesting, when we live inside of crisis, when, we, when crisis hits or trauma hits, we quickly are reminded that most control is just an illusion. This, this COVID-19 reality, right? It's reminded us, right? Any control we think we have of the economy or how things work in the economy or even sometimes our part, most of that's an illusion, right? Um, any, any dynamic we have where we think that, that things like health are always perfectly guaranteed and perfectly predictable, I mean, in many ways, that's, that's an illusion, right? 
The control over complete normalcy or whatever we define as normalcy, that, that's an illusion. We don't actually control it, right? It only takes one pandemic or one natural disaster or one really bad storm that doesn't even qualify as a natural disaster to remind us, wait a minute, we don't actually have control. How many times, just in really simple forms, have we just experienced like a power outage? The storm comes through and the power goes out and we realize, wait, I don't actually control this. How many times have we showed up someplace and, and what we're going to do is largely dependent on the weather and the weather doesn't cooperate. It doesn't, it doesn't work, right? And we realize, wait, I don't actually have full control. And most of life, control is an illusion. Joseph might have thought he had control. I mean, he was the favorite brother. He probably lived like he was in control of most things, right? And, and yet he's realizing now he's coming just having to deal with this reality that he's actually not in control. He's actually been abandoned by his brothers, a group of them, right? And he's been sold. He's not in, and now he's a servant. He, he's a slave to, to somebody who has all the power. Joseph is having to come to grips with the reality that any idea he had of control, most of it was just an illusion. Most of it was just an illusion. Now, now listen, I understand this reality. Look, that when we start talking about that we don't really have as much control or that most of control is an illusion, I, I realize that for a lot of us, that's unnerving because it feels like we lose the power. It feels like we, that control is actually power. What, what I have control of is what I have power over. And when we start to realize that maybe, maybe my control over finances and the perfect, absolute control over my financial future, if that's an illusion, what does that really mean? Uh, right? It can, it can feel very, very vulnerable. And that's Joseph, right? And that's what happens in crisis. We suddenly feel really vulnerable. But, but listen, we are going to get through this. Even coming to grips with the illusion of control, we are, we are going to get through this. But, but how? I mean, how does Joseph actually get through it? Well, let's talk about it for a second. Let's just look at the next verse. Uh, there's, a, there's a really bold statement coming in the next line of this story. And it's a statement that quite honestly doesn't even sound like it's true. It, it sounds a little bit like religious cliche. It sounds a little bit like, like a, a, just a little spiritual statement. But let's just talk about it for a second. Here, here's what it says. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> the Lord was with Joseph. Now look, come on, let's be honest. I know we want to read that and think, yes, Lord, that's true. Amen. But don't you honestly want to react to it and say, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. What do you mean the Lord was with Joseph? He's been abandoned by his brother. He's been thrown into his sister and he's been sold into slavery. He's been taken to another country, put on the trading block, bought by a leader who would take him and make him a servant. And it's like, right? What do you mean the Lord was with Joseph? What do you, what do you, what is, how does, what does that even mean? Joseph has lost all control. And a lot of times, listen, a lot of times we think the Lord is with us based on how in control we actually feel. Right, let me just play it out again. A lot of times we think the Lord is with us based on how in control we really feel. And yet this little kind of Joseph is showing us that actually sometimes the opposite is actually true. 
Let's read the rest of verse 2 and talk about it for a second. The Lord was with Joseph, and he, Joseph, prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Just stop right there. Let's just hold on for a second. We're actually going to come back to some more of this chapter next week. But, but here it is. Joseph, loss of control, right? He, the, 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 the illusion of control has, has been revealed. And yet the Lord was with him and he prospered. Like in his context, things went well. He starts to, to gain respect. He starts to gain trust. And, and, and his boss, his master, starts to entrust him with more and more, give him more and more responsibility, more and more privilege, more and more opportunity. Because right? the Lord was with him. But how was the Lord actually with Joseph? Well, somewhere along the way, and we don't fully know exactly how much time stands between verse 1 and verse 2. We don't know how long it takes for Joseph to actually make it all the way into Potiphar's house and be there long enough to build some respect and build some trust and and build some prosper. But what we know is that the Lord was with him during that time and while that was happening. So how does that take place? Well, somewhere along the way, while Joseph is dealing with the, the loss of control, the understanding that most of his control is just an illusion, He's actually finding himself in a really great position to surrender to Jesus, to surrender to the Lord who's with him. He's losing all of the control. He's understanding that the control he thought he had, he doesn't really have. And what that's setting him up to do is be in a perfect place to surrender. See, here, here's the reality for Joseph. Here's the reality for, for you and me, right? This is, this is how this thing plays out in, in our life, right? When the illusion of control clears, when the illusion of control clears, like when our vision gets clear, when we begin to understand that, wait a minute, I never really had as much control as I thought I did. When the illusion of control clears, the invitation to surrender comes. When the illusion of control, when that clears out and we can see a little more clearly, then the invitation to surrender comes. While Joseph is losing control on the things he thought he had control on, what he's gaining control of is the power to surrender, the choice to surrender. He's he's putting himself, he's putting himself in the full hands of the Lord who is with him. When the illusion of control clears, when it clears for Joseph, and when it clears for you and me, the invitation to surrender comes. And then what we begin to find is that that actually the power is not in what we control. The power is in surrender. The power is in the ability to choose to surrender. The power is actually found in surrendering to the God who is actually all-powerful. The power is not in trying to maintain the illusion of control. The power and the freedom actually comes in recognizing I don't have as much control over things as I thought I did. But I do have control over my choice to surrender to the God who is with me. So what happens if we surrender to God? Because listen, even today, even today, while so many of us are grappling with the the this illusion of control and we're realizing how many things we don't really control, right? We don't perfectly control the future. We don't perfectly control even right now. We don't perfectly control all things financial. We don't perfectly control the climate around us. We don't, right? So many of us are grappling with that in this time. 
and being provided this really clear opportunity to surrender. And even today, some of you, maybe for the first time, will surrender your life to the Jesus who wants nothing more than to be with you. And in just a few minutes, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But, but regardless whether you surrender your life to Jesus for the first time or you just kind of reestablish this, this priority of living a surrendered life, what happens when we surrender to God? Well, when we surrender to God, what, what we're doing is we're surrendering to his person and to his presence. We're surrendering to the person of God. We're not surrendering to the idea of God. We're, we're not surrendering to the theory of God. We're, we're surrendering to the person of the God who made us and is deeply in love with us and who is all-powerful and in control. We're surrendering to that God and we're surrendering to his presence. We're not surrendering to a God who is far off. We're surrendering to a God who is up close. We're surrendering to the Lord who is with us, just like he was with Joseph. We're putting ourselves in his hands. We're, we're literally, we're yielding our life. We're putting it in his hands so we could find a fullness of life with him. We're surrendering to the person in the presence of God. And so what does that actually mean? What does that happen? Well, I, I want to go just a little further, actually quite a bit further, into the Old Testament of your Bible. And I just want to read this, this passage from a, from a prophet uh, much later in the story of God and his people. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. I think it it paints a great picture of what happens when we surrender to the person and the presence of God. When the illusion of control clears and the invitation to surrender comes and we respond to it and say, yeah, God, I'm going to put myself in your hands. I, I'm believing that you're with me and I want to be with you. And here, here's just this great verse. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is with you is with you, not will be, not might be, is is with you. He is mighty to save. Listen, we will get through this. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save our souls and unite us with him. And he is mighty to save us in times of crisis. We will get through this. He is mighty and able to take everything the enemy is weaving for evil and instead weave it for good and bring good out of it. So we will get through this. He is mighty to save. The Lord is, your God is with you. He's mighty to save. And then there's these, this next statement that's got a few moves in it. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. Some translations talk about his forgiveness, his compassion there. He will rejoice over you with singing. He's going to delight in you. He's going to quiet you with his love. He's going to rejoice over you with singing. There's a few things that happen in there. When you surrender to God, you experience his pleasure with you right now. You, you, you just experience his pleasure with you right now. As a good and perfect father, he's excited to be with you. He loves being with you. He loves to, he's excited to spend each moment with you, each day with you, each season of life with you. When you surrender to God, you experience his pleasure with you right now. You experience his place for you right now. His place for you. Again, his forgiveness opens up the door to us to be with him. He's got a place in his life and in his kingdom for us. When we give our lives to him, we're actually raised up with him. We, we learn in the New Testament of your Bible that we're actually raised up with Jesus, seated with him right now. And he is fully with us right now. So he experiences his pleasure with you right now, his place for you right now, and his peace in you right now. Listen, how good does that sound when, we, when you experience this beauty and this gift of, 
of saying yes to surrendering to God, you experience his pleasure with you right now, his place for you right now, his peace in you right now. In fact, I want to I just turn that a couple of ways. What if you just said it about you? What if even right now, while you're engaging in this and we're together in this moment, what if you said it about you? What if you just said, when I surrender to Jesus, what's true is I experience his pleasure with me right now. I experience his place for me right now. I experience his peace in me right now. Why not just say it out loud, wherever you're watching this and whoever you're watching it with right now, just say it out loud. I, when I surrender to God, I experience his pleasure with me right now. I experience his place for me right now. I experience his peace in me right now. And then just imagine in hundreds of homes, all of us saying that, all of us experiencing that. When we surrender, when we surrender to God, we experience his pleasure with us right now, his place for us right now, his peace in us right now. Think of the collective experience of that. That's the invitation. That's what Joseph was experiencing. When the illusion of control cleared and and he he heard the invitation to surrender coming, he began to, to, to walk and experience that the Lord was with him even in crisis, even in trauma, even in what felt like the, the worst of the worst of the worst. And he began to experience the pleasure of the Lord with him, the place of the Lord for him, the peace of the Lord in him, just like you and I can and even are right now. now I want to give us a chance to experience it. And, here, and here's a couple ways. Right? One, one is simply this. Maybe today is your day to say for the first time, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to live experiencing those qualities, even when life is hard, not just when life is good, but even when life is hard, I want to experience God's pleasure for me, his place for me, and his peace in me. So I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to receive his forgiveness. I'm going to receive his grace, and I'm going to just acknowledge he's in control. He's the Lord. You can give your life to him today. You could surrender your life to him today. And I want to invite you to do it. If you've never done it, I want to invite you to do it. I want to invite you to respond to that drawing that's happening in your heart right now. To live united with a God who would take great pleasure in you, have a great place for you and his family, and be a great peace in you. I want to invite you just to respond to him and say yes to him. Yes to his forgiveness. Yes to his grace. Yes to his eager desire to be with you. And that's all it takes, right? That's all it takes to begin the mystery and the beauty of a relationship with God. You just say yes. You can just say yes. In fact, even, even right now, maybe you are saying yes to that. If you're wanting to say yes to that today, even, even before we take another move, but maybe sometime in the next few minutes, I want to invite you to just grab your phone and I want to invite you to just simply text the word surrender to this number, 616 512 0046. 616-512-0046. If you're surrendering your life to Jesus for the first time to begin this relationship with him, just text the word surrender to that number. We just want to cheer you on. We want to celebrate together. We're in it together. We walk the relationship together. We want to celebrate with you and then just invite you to walk in the next steps with us all as we follow Jesus.
Now, some of you have been following Jesus a long time. And this pandemic has, has been a little unsettling. There's, there's a lot of things that aren't the same anymore, right? We've all had to acknowledge things that, that we thought we had control of that we don't. And things that we're never going to have control of. But there is a beauty and a power that comes in the choice to surrender. And I want to invite you just for a couple minutes to take a position of surrender. Again, maybe if you've been following Jesus, it's just a recalibration of the soul. It's just a time to receive it. Maybe you're living surrendered and you know, man, yeah, I'm all in because there is a healing that comes in surrendering. For the next couple minutes, I want to invite you to just put your heart in that posture. And we're going to worship through song a little bit. And maybe you will sing this out right there in your home. And maybe as a family or your roommates, you'll sing this together. Maybe today, more than anything, you'll just receive it. You'll receive this blessing over your life. You'll receive the words of this song, which are straight out of the scriptures. They're straight out of the story of God. And you'll just receive the power that comes in the presence of God experienced when we surrender. And I believe for some of you, it's going to be invigorating. For some, it's going to be healing and recalibrating. For some, it's just going to be encouraging and medicinal. For some, it'll, it'll be inspiring. For some, it's, it's honestly, the next few minutes are going to be a little emotional because these kind of encounters, these kind of reminders, these kind of first-time experiences with the person in the presence of God who loves you and is for you are pretty remarkable. So just open your, just open your heart to it. Just be surrendered to him, the gift of his presence and his person today. Let's